If you've ever seen a cat in freefall, you've probably noticed that cats are very good at turning themselves around in midair to land feet first, no matter what orientation they start with. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and on today's episode, we're going to examine what's known as the cat writing reflex, how it works, and how robots can learn a thing or two from Fluffy about landing on their feet. And don't worry, no cats were harmed in the making of this podcast. First, a very important question. Would you say you're a cat robot person or a dog robot person? (laughs) I think I'm a dog robot person. I recently got to see the robots in, in real life. They're just so cool. I see that and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, so uh, agile, it can, you know, respond to that. And it just does such a great job with these heavy disturbances. That's Dr. Jeff Bingham, a roboticist and recent postdoctoral scholar in the School of Interactive Computing at the Georgia Institute of Technology. And he's talking about Spot a dog-inspired robot built by Boston Dynamics that has an impressive ability to keep its feet, even when abruptly shoved or kicked. So that's one for dog robots. I asked the same question of Dr. Will Robertson, a lecturer in the School of Mechanical Engineering at the University of Adelaide in South Australia. Um, Most definitely a cat robot person. I like the idea of a little robot that can sort of sit up high in your office and it will jump down and goes off and does its own thing and then hangs out with you when it wants to. Sounds like a nice idea to me. Both Bingham and Robertson are pretty familiar with the world of animal-inspired robots, and they've each been working recently on building prototypes that can mimic one very important property of cats, their almost uncanny ability to land on their feet. At the University of Adelaide, Robertson and his students started out with a design based on a simplified cat model. They wanted to make it as mechanically simple as possible, because the more joints that you have, the more motors that you need to actuate it, and therefore the heavier and more expensive and uh, more complex the system is. So the, the prototype that we chose to look at was the legs in, legs out method, where the spine of the cat could simply rotate around its axis at a single point in the middle. And then we had a pair of legs at the front and a pair of legs at the back, which could move in and out to change the moment of inertia. This RoboCat has two distinct halves that can rotate around the central axis, each with a pair of legs that can be tucked in or extended. The legs-in, legs-out method is one of the mechanisms that cats use to flip over in midair. But to see how it works, we have to understand a little bit about angular momentum and moments of inertia. I think everyone has got somewhat of an intuitive analogy with momentum, um, because it's related to both the speed that you're going and sort of like the heaviness of the object. So if if an object has a large momentum, then it's harder to slow it down. It will take more energy to bring it to rest. Angular momentum is exactly the same, but for a rotational system. The more angular momentum an object has, the harder it is and the more energy it would take to change its rotation. And just as linear momentum depends on the speed of the object and its mass, Angular momentum depends on how fast it's spinning and its moments of inertia, its rotational heaviness, so to speak. It's exactly the same as as mass is when you're considering just pushing something along a table. So we know that if we try and push an an object, it might be like a a cup full of water, the heavier that cup is, so like if it's a bucket, for example, and it's much heavier, we know that if we push that, it's going to move a lot less. And so moment of inertia is exactly the same thing, but for rotating a body. 
three-dimensional objects can be rotated in a lot of different directions. A frisbee, for example, could be spun around horizontally, or you could try to flip it end over end. Because the mass of the frisbee is distributed as a flattened disc with a heavy rim, it's a lot easier to rotate it horizontally around an axis that pokes through its center. That's the axis with the highest moment of inertia, and the frisbee is most stable rotating this way. If you change its mass distribution, maybe add a lead weight somewhere near but not at the center, it will have a new axis of maximal inertia and reorient itself accordingly. Cats and their robot counterparts have different moments of inertia too, depending on how you try to rotate them. And by changing their own internal mass distribution, by moving their legs or twisting and bending, they can manipulate their moments of inertia to rotate their bodies in midair. That's pretty incredible, and at first glance, it almost seems impossible. It sounds like a paradox when you first talk about it. That's because the cat has to conserve angular momentum. It's the law. It's something that you, you can't change angular momentum unless you're applying external torques to the system. And obviously, when a cat is falling, there's no one else helping it to, to flip over it in the air. When a cat is held motionless and then dropped, it's starting with zero angular momentum. And when it lands, it also has zero angular momentum. So how does it manage to flip itself over without violating this law of conservation? This is sort of the mystical part about the whole thing is that angular momentum being conserved does not necessarily mean that motion is zero, right? You can still have angular momentum constant, but you can certainly have different motion. The key is to realize that a cat is not a rigid body. It's actually a lot of small rigid bodies that are connected to each other, making up a closed system. Where the paradox can be overcome, if you like, is to consider the front and the back half, or even all of the different sections of the cat, as individual entities. And so it's okay for the front half of the cat to develop some angular momentum of its own, as long as the back half of the cat mirrors that and has a negative amount of angular momentum at the same time. The different sections of the cat each have their own moments of inertia and can have angular momentum of their own as well, as long as all of those components of angular momentum add up to zero for the cat as a whole. When it comes to flipping around in midair, animals, not just cats, but also rabbits and lizards, even humans, have three main ways of manipulating their moments of inertia to reorient themselves. First, there's the legs in, legs out method that Robertson mentioned earlier. The theory goes that when it moves the, the front legs in, it's minimizing the moment of inertia of the front half of its body. So when it does a twist, the front half will move a lot further than the back half. Tucking in the front paws brings mass closer to the axis of rotation, which decreases the moment of inertia in the front half of the cat. Sticking the back legs straight out from the body does the opposite. It increases the moment of inertia of the back half of the cat. Everybody's very familiar with the ice skater phenomena, right? It's the exact same mechanics that allow both to happen. Remember how angular momentum depends on moment of inertia and angular velocity? That's why a figure skater spins faster after pulling her arms and legs into her body than when she keeps them outstretched. The cat is doing the same thing, except it's divided its body into two pieces. The front and back halves need to have exactly equal and opposite amounts of angular momentum to cancel out. But because the moment of inertia is smaller in the front, that half has to rotate faster compared to the back. 
the cat does the reverse move to slow down the rotation of its front half and allow the back half to swing around so it can use all four paws to stick the landing. There's more to it than just moving the legs in and out, which is where the other two methods come along. And these are called the two-axis twist and the hula twist, sort of like a hula hoop kind of action. It's a combination of moving the legs in and out, bending the spine in the middle, and then also twisting at the same time, and then coordinating all of those actions which allow it to land on its feet. It's a problem that has fascinated people for hundreds of years. In the mid-19th century, George Gabriel Stokes and James Clerk Maxwell both dabbled in the physics of cat-turning, and in the 1890s, the French physiologist Etienne Jules Marais developed a technique called chronophotography to take a rapid series of pictures, all on a single photograph, showing a falling cat doing its thing. Decades later, the problem got a full mathematical treatment, and by now, it's pretty well understood in theory. It's kind of a classic problem to a certain extent. People have solved it in a lot of different ways. This is non-holonomic, which is a fancy way of saying that the path that the mechanism takes is sequence dependent. So the same motions from step to step, if any of the order of those, those change um, in time, then you'll end up with a different final condition. They're fun, sort of esoteric problems that controls engineers love to play with. But it's more than just a fun problem. Being able to reorient in midair is useful for all kinds of things, and that's where the catbots come in. After all, landing gracefully after a fall is just as important for a robot as it is for a cat. Robertson's cat design mimics the legs-in, legs-out part of a real cat's technique, and so far design simulations have achieved the desired reorientation. In practice, though, the weight constraints of the robot components are a little bit tricky to manage. You need to be able to redistribute enough mass to significantly alter the moment of inertia, but then you also need a big enough motor to move that much mass around, which increases the weight of the robot, and so on. The system basically ran away from us in that, uh, not literally, in that we constructed the prototype and we could move each one of the joints individually, but we knew that if we actually tried to drop it, it wouldn't perform its action quick enough to land on its feet. And we weren't willing to drop it from, say, 10 metres off the ground because well, for obvious reasons. So gravity is just a bit too fast at the moment, but another group of Adelaide students will tackle that problem in the next several months. At Georgia Tech, Bingham's group encountered the gravity problem as well, and they came up with a creative way to deal with it. So then when I was thinking about, okay, if I actually want to build some kind of experimental apparatus to test this. I wanted to try and come up with the simplest mechanism in order to do that. And intuitively, the idea was to come up with this three-segment linkage thing. This robot doesn't look much like a cat at all, but it has a familiar, if abstract, structure. A body segment with a leg on each side that can rotate. So the question is, um, is there some sequence that exists such that that motion would be asymmetric? essentially, that would allow a cycle to occur that would allow you to reorient. It turns out there is. By cycling through three configurations, this segmented cat can rotate itself to land in a favorable orientation, whatever its initial conditions. And even though gravity is still a problem, this robot can get around it by sliding down a slope instead of free falling. In choosing to look at the three-link method, i.e. it only has two joints, they've simplified the system into being a planar robot. So 
that allows them then to put it onto this uh, air hockey table, sort of frictionless sliding thing, slow it down and, and allow them to do their experiment successfully. That's a really clever approach. Having worked out the mechanics for a planar robot, the theory can then be generalized to any robot that can be modeled as a collection of connected rigid bodies. There's no reason that it's restricted to planar mechanisms. And I mean, obviously, I'm not the only one who's done this. If it works in a planar case, then it works in a fully spatial case as well. And that's good news for all sorts of applications, from robots to satellites that need to be reoriented to accurate video game animations. Apple even filed a patent last December detailing several proposed mechanisms to manipulate your iPhone's moments of inertia and save it from a bad fall, not unlike what a cat does to land on its feet. So whether you're a cat robot person or a dog robot person, I think we can all agree, the possibilities are pretty exciting. And I, for one, welcome our RoboKitty overlords. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and you can find more information on cats and cat-inspired robots on our website at physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. 